Good morning, Boker Tov, buenos dias, sabah lecher. This is Shana Fold here with the Israel Daily News Podcast, the only English daily news podcast coming out of Tel Aviv. I'm here to give you the headlines so you can get caught up quickly. If you're listening, you're already on top of your game. Knowledge is a weapon, and if you're with me, you're getting informed, and that means you have the most important rifle in the world. Today is Thursday, September 24th, 2020, which means we have a special report at the end of this show. It's very important to the universe, okay? So don't miss it. Let's get to the news. Israelis should expect to progress into a full lockdown starting tomorrow. The measures decided upon in yesterday's cabinet meeting, which I told you about here, are supposedly even tighter than Israel's first lockdown in March, which was very serious. Every sector of the economy will be closed, leaving only supermarkets and pharmacies open. Synagogues are closing, except for on the day of Yom Kippur, where prayer services will be allowed to open in a limited capacity. And some services will be allowed outside. Israel's main airport, Ben Gurion, is set to close for outbound flights, and protests will restrict people to go only if the demonstration is happening within one kilometer of their homes and it will be capped at 20 people. Wala News reports that the coronavirus cabinet was not even consulted on everything, and instead, this vote on the new rules went straight to a full cabinet vote. Netanyahu says he must take the decision to save lives and that the economic price of stopping the economy during the holiday season is lower than stopping it during the weeks following. So he believes that it's better to take care of it sooner than later. Scientists from Israel's Weizmann Institute says based on the virus rates measured during the first lockdown, the virus rate will not be cut in half for two weeks and then take an additional number of weeks to bring it down even more than that. They suggest it could be until November before Israel sees the results they're looking for. Wow, I can't tell you how stressful this is and how hard it is to plan. I don't even know if I'll be able to see my family in the United States, and this has just really been a mess, not having any clarity for the future. Meanwhile, the virus is so bad that one Haifa medical center is turning a car parking garage into a coronavirus ward in order to take in patients that are being turned away at Rambam Healthcare Center due to max capacity. So for all of us who are healthy, please continue to wear our masks, don't spread the virus, and just be thankful that you have the most important thing, which is your health. So let's move on to a more exciting item. The U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, Kelly Kraft, says another Arab nation is about to sign a peace deal with Israel within the next few days. This is completely historic. Keep in mind, guys, the last peace deal signed with an Arab nation was Jordan in 1994. And now, 26 years later, we have three peace deals, two of them that happened and one that is supposed to happen soon. Kraft says the plan is to bring in even more countries and that those details would be announced in the coming days as well. Well, I don't know about you, but as soon as I read this news, I thought to myself, oh my word, this is going to aggravate Iran. And it's certainly a clear message saying, hey Iran, we're forming an alliance against you. 
As I kept reading on, this is what I learned. Kraft continued to say that her new focus is to protect the Abraham Accords and not to let Iran exploit the goodwill of Bahrain, the United Arab Emirates, or Israel. These are the three countries that have new peace and diplomacy plans. She also said, we want to bring everyone on board in hopes that this will allow the Iranian citizens to see that people really want peace in the Middle East, and they are part of this peace. Yesterday morning, an Israeli delegation flew out to Bahrain to begin working on the fine-tuning of the deal. So let me explain. The Abraham Accords brought together the UAE and and Israel, that was a full-blown peace treaty. As for Bahrain, there wasn't a lot of time there before Bahrain signed on for normalization with Israel, so legally, things are still being worked out there. Two of Netanyahu's top aides had to pay up after they were caught not quarantining following their trip with Netanyahu to the United States. They had been ordered to pay 5,000 shekels, or $1,455, a pop, for being outside in public at a protest, no less, when they were supposed to be at home. So let me explain. They had been in the U.S. for the Abraham Accords with Netanyahu, and then they were spotted. They couldn't even deny it because they were caught on camera. But the drama doesn't stop here. Oh, no, folks. This is Israel. The drama continues. The two aides opened a libel lawsuit against the two journalists and former Prime Minister Ehud Barak, who had made the public case against them, saying they had actually staged a demonstration against the aides to make it look like they had been at a protest. Wow. What? What? The suit is for 420,000 shekels or $122,000 in damages. Haaretz piece is out highlighting the difficulties Gazan women are facing in terms of getting medical care in Israel. Women with breast cancer or women going for breast cancer screenings need to get help in the Jewish state. Obviously, they don't have the proper resources in Gaza. And previously, a simple referral from a doctor gains them entry. Now, something has changed in policy, requiring them to get a permit for entry only based upon photographic evidence of malaria biopsies. So that changed and activists are saying it's not fair and it's taking too long and it's causing Gazan women to have to miss their appointments because they don't have the examinations as evidence. And finally, we're at this week's special report. Now this is a story I've covered in the past, but it's still not getting the attention I wish it to. So I'm covering it again. The Uyghur community in China. If you don't know, this community is currently being discriminated against and tortured in China for their religious beliefs. It's my belief that because China is a world power, no country is willing to sacrifice their economic situation to save the group. I decided to reach out to the Uyghur Rally organization in an attempt to see how I could help. And I don't mean by doing a story. I initially reached out. I said that I wanted to help in any way, and I I meant it in terms of activism. But this actually led me to Nicole, who led me to Yosef Roth, 
a young Jew who I was surprised, but not that surprised, to find is running the operation. Once I realized Mr. Roth was of the Jewish faith, it opened the door for me to be able to ask the question I really wanted. Is Israel holding back from intervening in China due to a strong and growing business relationship in the country? So I had faith that Mr. Roth would have some idea about the Israel-China relations, being that he is a Jew, and it turned out I was right. So before we get to the answers, here are some facts that you need to know. The Uyghur people are a Muslim minority in Xinjiang, China, which is historically known as Eastern Turkestan in China. This group has Mongolian origins and relations to Turkey and Azerbaijan. The language is spoken in Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, and Kyrgyzstan, as well as in Uyghur-speaking communities around the world. Uyghurs who have fled China or were able to somehow get the word out reported that they were being targeted for their religious commitments, such as refraining from eating pork or owning a Quran. Around 400 internment camps have been built in China in the last two years to house this Muslim community. They've reported that members of their families have gone missing. Survivor reports have helped spread information, and the camps are often located near industrial parks or are even conjoined to factories in order to make it more convenient to facilitate slave labor. They say they're poorly nourished, not given medical treatment, and that women are forced into using birth control methods against their will. At first, China denied the camps, but later said that they exist, but are actually educational facilities to help people learn the mainstream language and become employed with a better job. According to estimates by the UN and US State Department, millions of Uyghur people have been imprisoned. The United States Congress introduced a bill requesting that the State Department investigate and consider initiating targeted sanctions against China, but so far have not. Israel saw petitions go by from top professionals in the country, including Holocaust survivors who've spoken out on behalf of the cause and professors and doctors. Still, there's been no actual movement from Israel's government body. Now, we'll hear from Yosef Roth. He'll introduce himself, and then we'll get right to my questions. My name is Yosef Roth. I'm a rabbinical student at Yeshiva University and a PhD student at Mount Sinai. I'm a co-organizer of Uyghur Rally, an organization dedicated to fighting the Uyghur oppression in China. Okay, so first question for you. Why should the Jewish and Israeli community be prioritizing this issue? Israeli and Jewish values, hope for a society, where everyone can be metakin olam b'malchut chakai. And therefore, we need to defend those who want to worship God, against those who would prevent them from doing so. I think that every country that stands for human freedom and dignity must combat this oppression. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so are countries' trade partnerships with China posing a large barrier to combating the Uyghur oppression? Countries' trade partnerships with China pose a major barrier to combating the Uyghur oppression. And this is because the best way to combat the Uyghur oppression is through economic sanctions. To put this in perspective, China is the United States' biggest trading partner and is Israel's third biggest trading partner. And all this makes these sanctions very expensive. 
Many countries are reluctant to face the economic consequences of fighting for this issue. Yeah, money frickin' talks. So is fighting this oppression worth the economic consequences that the U.S. and Israel will face if they speak up? Any country that values freedom and justice must fight for the freedom of the Uyghur people. Right now, everyone's values are being tested. Do people care enough about freedom and justice to bear the economic burden? Or will they shirk these values as being too costly? How much is freedom worth? The U.S. recently enacted targeted sanctions against guilty Chinese officials. The U.S., Israel, and other countries must escalate to global sanctions on China as long as these atrocities continue. I agree. I agree. So tell us, what can people do to support or stop this issue? In order for governments to support economic sanctions, they need widespread public support. Right now, this issue is still not widely known, and governments are reluctant to suffer economic consequences without public backing. So there are two primary ways to help. One is to reach out to government officials directly and inform them that you support sanctions against China. And two, to raise public awareness. And you know this can be done by writing in a local newspaper, organizing public demonstrations, or even simply posting on social media. Yosef, you have shed a light on something very important, and we from the Israel Daily News podcast hope this report makes an impact. Thanks so much for being with us. All right, well, that's it for today's news. Today is Thursday, September 24th. We have a high of 23 degrees Celsius and a low of 29 degrees in this central city. That's 74 degrees Fahrenheit for the low, going up to 84 degrees. Thanks for getting caught up with me. And don't forget, subscribe to the Israel Daily News podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're hearing it from. I am everywhere. Tonight, we have Money and Culture live on Facebook. We're going to be live at 8.30 p.m. my time, 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to have Dan Katarivas talk about the economic impact of the Abraham Accords on the Middle East and about Saudi Arabia, which may very well be the next Arabic country signing a normalization deal with Israel, but that's yet to be seen. Katarivas is an interesting man. He's worked with Arab countries around the world. He negotiated economic points when Israel made peace with Jordan. He represented the government in Lebanon, and today he lives in Israel and works as the director of foreign trade for the Manufacturers Association. It's huge. To contrast that, We'll have Israeli artist Efrat Hakimi, who is working and traveling in the United States, exploring the history about places and landmarks, which include the word Zion in the title. She wants to know if Zion means what it means to her, the land of Israel. She'll have lots of photos and videos of her art installations that came out as a result of her research. So I hope to see you all live tonight for Money and Culture. Also, for anybody who's here in Tel Aviv, I will be running an outdoor Yom Kippur service at Habima Square for people who want to connect to the holiday in a safe way and for people who don't necessarily know how to pray in a textbook style using a siddur. This is going to be run in partnership with White City Shabbat. This is through my organization, Tribe Tel Aviv. I did this event last year and it was wildly successful. I had a lot of people who don't usually observe the holiday come out and find meaning. So don't 
expect to hear from me on Monday because I will be observing the holiday. You will, however, get my newsletter over the weekend if you've signed up for it. And if you haven't signed up for it, I encourage you to do so because it gives you a weekly wrap of all the news highlights. Sometimes I add in some new stuff. Sometimes I add in some things that you need to know. You can find the information in my show notes. Today, we'll hear a song called Sulam El Kayan by a local Israeli band called the Cameria of Yuval Gilboa. Their lead singer sent me this song after I made a call on Facebook looking for more music to profile. Have a great and productive day. Shabbat Shalom. Have a good new year. And may you all be sealed in the book of life. I guess I've never understood in which road should I walk. Cry, 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 tell us that you don't know why. We don't need to find a reason in the corner of the eye. So we came from Dubai to the west of Japan, from the side of the hood to the land of Peru. And we have to know where, though we never know why all these places we found have turned into eyes. supposed to go I guess I've never understood in which road should I walk and if you still don't understand you in the corner of the eye I've never understood In which road should I walk? Cry, cry, cry Tell us that you don't know why We don't need to find a reason 